Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. In 2017, Linda Shelton was named among Dance Magazine's most influential people in dance today. Here's why. Since 1993, she's been the executive director and a trustee of the Joyce Theater Foundation, a New York-based nonprofit that has served the dance community for more than 30 years. The Joyce, by the way, is one of the only theaters built by dancers for dance, providing a venue for more than 400 U.S.-based and international companies. Before joining the Joyce, Linda was general manager of the Joffrey Ballet and held various management positions at the Twyla Tharp Dance Foundation and managed tours for the Bolshoi, Moscow Virtuosi, and composer Philip Glass. Linda has served on panels including the National Endowment for the Arts, the New England Foundation for the Arts National Dance Project, and the Massachusetts Cultural Council. She's currently on the boards of Dance NYC and Dance USA. During Linda's tenure, the Joyce was on the receiving end of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Liberty Award and the William Dawson Award for Programmatic Excellence. She was the recipient of the Documents of Dance Award by the Dance Library of Israel. France's Order of Arts and Letters appointed her a chevalier and an officer for her contribution for furthering the arts. And Linda is currently part of the faculty at NYU's Arts Administration Graduate Program. So, let's meet and get to know this accomplished, committed, passionate woman. Linda, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. What role did dance play when you were growing up? I took dance classes like all the other young girls in my neighborhood. Um, My family wasn't interested necessarily in dance or the arts at all. So it was something I discovered on my own. You asked to get signed, to be signed up for a class. I did because my friends were going and my mother thought I had terrible posture. So that was the, <laughs> that was the way in. Did you grow up here in the tri-state area? I grew up in New Jersey. Oh, well, we're soulmates. There you go. <laughs> and so there was an attraction for you with this. In spite of being a young girl, you loved going. I did. I did. And at some point... Um, You know, I had been going to the neighborhood dance studio with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I thought, I want to go beyond this. I've been doing, like, the same dance routines and recital every single year. And at the time, we had phone books. And so I opened the phone book, and the first one was the Academy of Ballet. started with an A. (laughs) Okay. So I, I went over there and looked around, and it was a very serious ballet school was a teacher from ABT and a teacher from the Joffrey. You know, they had moved to the suburbs to raise a family. She ran the school. He was still dancing with the Joffrey. And so that was where I got some serious ballet training. How old were you when you At that went? point, I was about 16. Okay. So, but too late to be a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but certainly uh, some ve- serious training at that point. And you continued with that throughout college as I well? I did. I wanted to go to college, and these two teachers said, you know, why don't you major in dance in college? And so uh, my parents thought I was going to be a teacher. They thought I was studying to be a teacher. Well, back in the day, that was it. We're going to be a nurse or a teacher, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. There was no career path that one could see, but there was for teacher. Um, I did minor. I was in the school of ed, so I minored. Uh, There's a minor in teaching. So I went to NYU. So did I, by the way. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe maybe we were separated <laughs> at birth, Linda. It's sounding like it, I know. Uh-huh. So um, there I got educated in all the contemporary styles. The program I was in, 
It had teachers from the Limon Company, from the Cunningham Company, Graham Company. Like, they were performers in those companies. Some of them still were performers. Well, here you are in the center of the dance world in New York City, for heaven's sake. For sure, Mm -hmm. for sure. So learned all about that side of the business or the, the field at that time, which I hadn't had exposure to before. And so as you get through college and you graduate, what did you think to yourself, I'm going to do? Well, that's exactly what I thought to myself. <laughs> what is it that I'm going to do? So I did get a teaching job. I taught at Brandeis High here in New York. Uh, it was a very rough school back then. They had um, metal detectors when you walked in. Back in the day, huh? Yeah. And there were three full-time dance teachers. One of them was on maternity leave, and somehow I got the opportunity to replace her. It was a, a horrific experience. Oh, that's an interesting because, word. Well, I think um, had the Me Too movement been around um, back then, you know, it would have been different. But in the long run, it was probably the best thing because I thought there has to be something else I can do in the dance field than, you know, be in this in this school. The students were great. The students were great. What, is it an administration that was? Yeah, there was, you know, you can just picture this guy that was head of the phys ed department. And, you know, here I am in my 20s. And, you know, okay, just, okay. You know, we we'll, can only we'll imagine. Leave it there. Mm-hmm, yes. I mm-hmm. mean, it's actually very funny, some of the experiences I went through. But um, I decided that I would go back to school. I would go to graduate school. A friend of mine who was in my undergrad program mentioned that she was doing an internship at the New York State Council on the Arts, and she was in graduate school at NYU. And it just sounded like something I should explore. And that was when I just turned the corner. And is that when you were more exposed to administration? Yes. I went to the Arts Council. I did. I was in the dance program. I had a wonderful mentor there, Beverly Deanne. And she taught me that there was a, a whole other side of the dance world that I knew nothing about. I would see a dance company on stage, but... Who knew there were all these people? To get them there, right? It happened. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. You get this degree, and now what happens to you? You mean the master's? Yes. Well, I didn't finish my master's. I'm still a few credits short. Don't tell anyone. Okay. <laughs> Your secret's safe with yeah. me. <laughs> um, shortly after starting the program, when I was finishing up at the Arts Council, part of the job there was you got to sit in on everybody's meetings, all of the dance companies. They would come in and talk about what they were doing. And one of my last days there, Twyla Tharp came in and talked about how she was expanding her office and looking for someone to do fundraising. So I raised my hand and I said, why not? Why not me? (laughs) I could try that. You know, what did I know? Yeah. I was so impressed and, you know, had followed Twyla's career. What year was this? That would have been early 80s. Okay. And she was clearly a force to be reckoned with back then as well as today. At the time, she was premiering a piece called Nine Sinatra Songs, which was one of her big hits and went went on to be on Broadway and toured all around the world. So that match was made, and she said, I'll hire you, Linda. She, yes, someone on her staff um, hired me. Did you feel on some level that you might have died and gone to heaven by getting that job? Um, yeah. I mean, she she 
had very high expectations, but I just wanted to learn. I wanted to soak it all in. Mm. So those two things worked very well together. And so how long were you with her? I was there for about eight years. And then she merged with American Ballet Theater. Um, there wasn't really a job for me at that point, And that's when I went on to do some work with um, Philip Glass's production company. And how did your world expand in the sense, as I mentioned in the introduction, Bolshoi, the Moscow Virtuosi, the Joffrey. Your resume is just mind-boggling, but in a great way. Yeah, I think it had a lot to do with, you know, just being lucky and being in the right place at the right time. I've heard that a lot. That yeah. that really does <laughs> hold water, doesn't it? It does. It does. Aside from your talent and ability. I mean, yeah. you can't have one without the other. With Twyla Tharp, I mean, you had such a mentor in her and her organization. Yes. Yes. I learned an awful lot from that experience. Uh, the company was quite popular then, so I became, at one point, the company manager. I traveled all around the world with them, Wow! Um, learned how she ran a dance company, what she expected of her dancers, and how she created work. Uh, I, you know, That was very important to learn how, what her expectations were and what an administrator had to do in order to give her what she needed. And what did you have to do? Well, some of it was fundraising at various times when I was there. She needed money Mm -hmm. to do what she needed to do. But the company also relied very heavily on touring income. So I was the booking manager. Was there a staff? uh, I mean, it's not only Linda Shelton here. No, there were other people. Who's dancing as fast as she can, no pun intended, sorry. There there were other people, Mm -hmm. yeah. People didn't stay around all that much for various reasons. But eight years is is quite a tenure. I think I still hold the record as her longest administrative employee. Clearly, you cut your teeth there, and you must have learned a tremendous amount. I was willing. I wanted to learn. To me, this was the biggest opportunity that I could have, and all I had to do was just be there as much as I could and take on as much as I could, and I was willing to do that. So So after eight years, was it a mutual decision that you both kind of felt, hey, we had a great run, but... Well, she was merging with ABT. As you said, right. Yeah, there really wasn't a job for me there. And so how did you get that next job? I mean, you obviously now have street cred. Yes, and one of the things that I worked on when I was with her is she had always wanted to work on, uh, use Philip Glass's music to do a piece. Mm -hmm. And she was having a hard time connecting with him. And at one of these booking conferences, I just happened to meet his manager. And I said, you know, Twyla would really like to do this. And he said, yeah, I know. Uh, Let's see if you and I can make this happen. So we did. And it was a piece called In the Upper Room. And it's, I think it's a masterpiece for her, for sure, but in, in dance in general. So if you haven't seen it, it's uh, it's in the ABT repertory. I was going to say, does it yeah. get performed it with, does. Uh, it does. with frequency? So now you have Philip Glass under your belt. Yes. And then what happens? Well, while I was working with Philip, I was approached by a new company that had the contract to present at the Metropolitan Opera House. Huh. So they were going to present big things. And I thought, well, you know, I've, I want to get back into dance. Um, Philip Glass was terrific. But, uh, but right. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's get back into dance. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something big. So I don't think it gets much 
bigger than the Bolshoi. (laughs) I think I've heard of them. Yes. (laughs) And it was a commercial operation. You know, the people who started this company, the Entertainment Corporation, they planned on making money from bringing in really anything Russian. Now, how long were you there? A couple of years. Let's say their business model didn't work out so well. While you were there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. It seemed like it was starting to fall apart. Uh-huh. Um, it was at the time when any Russian group could come. So suddenly there were stars, competition. stars of everything. Uh huh. Um, so we were like Russian overloaded. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I was approached by a colleague of mine who had just taken over the executive director position at the Joffrey, and he said. You know, he was putting together a new management team, and did I want to come and be part of that? So what happened with the Joffrey? I was there for a couple of years. We worked on this piece called Billboards, Mm -hmm. had music uh, by Prince. Uh, That was the big thing at the time. Um, The Joffrey had figured out that maybe New York City couldn't support three major ballet companies, because you had New York City Ballet, ABT, and then the Joffrey. So they were having a hard time being the third one. And board members were starting to explore the idea of moving out of New York. Was there a city in in the United States that didn't have a a world-class ballet company that might Be welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm embarrassed. What city was that? Chicago. And and that's where they went after Manhattan? Yes. So they've been in Chicago for quite some time. They have been, yeah. And so at that point, you knew it was time for you to go too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The um, position at the Joyce had become available, hadn't been available before. And I thought, well, everything in my career has led me to this point. I've Hmm. been on tour with companies... I know how to raise money to some degree, and that's what this job needs. So why wouldn't I be the perfect candidate? Apparently you were and are. I need you to explain for the uninitiated what the Joyce is and what it does. But before you do, I have been to the Joyce several times, and it is this warm and welcoming space that you feel so much. You know, it's not it's not massive. So you really do feel like you're part of what is happening on stage. And that is what is just so exhilarating. You're there, man, in a different way than you're there at City Center in New York mm-hmm. City, which mm-hmm. is a behemoth. And yeah. if you're sitting in the balcony or the mezzanine, those dancers are so far away from you. There's this intimacy at the Joyce that you just can't, you just can't knock. True. We feel very spoiled because, well, I do, because you can see what's going on. Every seat has a perfect view. It's intimate. You're close. You feel like you're part of it. Uh, it's yeah. a great experience. So talk to us about you and the Joyce. The Joyce was founded by Elliot Feld and Cora Kahn in the late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. Elliot Feld needed a place for his dance company to perform at a certain size that was affordable. And he assumed, and assumed rightly, that there were other dance companies in the same boat. They were bigger than some of the smaller venues available in New York at the time, um, but maybe not quite big enough for a city center, let's say. Mm -hmm. So the Joyce at 500 seats 
would be that place. And the way it was set up by Elliot Feld was that he would perform a certain amount of weeks, but then he wanted other dance companies. To bring in other companies. Yeah, mm-hmm. so then they could have a, a subscription model. Right. Um, it would be affordable for all of these companies to come in. Was it and difficult that, to raise money to build the theater? I think uh, it was a stretch for his company, and he did make sacrifices to do that. But I think funders, individual and institutions, believed in the idea. And what he did, I think, that made it possible was he created a separate entity, which is the Joyce Theater. So in the beginning, it was his company, but he quickly realized that more money could be raised if it was a separate entity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And And how long from his concept of this to actually giving birth, to having this theater open? How many yeah, years it wasn't, went by? It wasn't that long. I think the building was purchased in the late 70s, and the first season was 81, 82. Oh, that's, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty quick. And so you joined in what year? 93. Yes. The 10th anniversary of the Joyce. And what was your role? I was hired as executive director. There was a small staff in place at the time, Basically, I was hired to keep it keep it running. Uh, there was a need to raise more money at the time, but really oversee what was going on. And was that vision of Elliot's sustained? Yes, but in a bit of a different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it took a while, and things changed. The environment around us changed. Elliot's own company changed. Uh, he no longer has a professional dance company. He focuses on the school and the training program. He still performs mm-hmm. at the Joyce, but when it first started, he was performing there uh, up to 13, 14 weeks per year, wow. two seasons. Now he has a week. So the model had to change because of that, mm-hmm. but also at some point we realized that Maybe we could have a better quality or more control over what was on stage if we presented the dance companies rather than, you know, just booking in dance companies. Explain that, that to me more. What, did, what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, the model that I inherited um, was mostly curated dance companies that would pay rent to the theater. For the length of time they were right, there. Right, mostly mm-hmm. a week. And then they would take the risk. They would keep the box office, but if they sold one ticket, it didn't matter to the theater because rent had been collected. Paid, yes. Yes, yeah. Is the Joyce ever dark? Hardly ever. A few weeks during the summer. And is there a specific time frame in terms of booking? It's mostly one-week engagements. So that's, but they're, but that's they're, a lot to juggle, yes, right? Yes. So you basically have 48 clients. Yeah. I mean, there are exceptions. Twyla, for example, did a four-week season. The more popular shows Mm -hmm. play a longer run, and that's valuable to them and to us. The Joyce is basically the only game in town. You know, the New York City Ballet performs over here, and the ABT over here, and and Alvin Ailey over here, but Mm -hmm. you are the constant. For dance. For dance. Absolutely. Yes. That's what's so interesting to me, that maybe the average Jane and John are not aware of how many dance troops are out there. Well, yeah. I mean, that can be mind-boggling. You just think of the big ones, but that's not fair. Right. And to me, that's the beauty of it, and that's what keeps me interested, because there's a diversity, and that's part of our mission. 
And so one week, it's like this week, it's Camille Brown. She's a local Queens girl with a dance company. And two weeks ago, it was a company from Tel Aviv. And last week, it was a company from London. We have a strong relationship with a dance company from Cuba. Wow. So there's nothing in our mission that hones us in to a specific kind of... Right. There's not a restriction. Yeah. We're not trying to do... We're not trying to be the next wave in terms of dance. Although we do have cutting-edge performers on our stage, it's a mix of all kinds of dance. You know, we're always looking at how do you fill a 500-seat theater? Mm -hmm. Because the last thing we want is an artist to come in and play to empty houses because they're not well-known. Right, right. So there are all kinds of programs that we have, like the American Dance Platform. It's a shared program with two companies on it. Mm -hmm. So when that's programmed, it's usually a company that's more well-known coupled with someone lesser known. And this is all what you gave birth to. Yes. And it's my program director. I have right. I'm credit. Yeah. Yes, of course. Good Lord, Linda. I don't know how you find the hours in the day to do what you do. You've been on these panels and you t- you're part of the faculty. Do you ever step back and go, oh my God? <laughs> yes. I know. I was thinking that my weaknesses that I say yes to, <laughs> too much. But then, you know, the dance companies are always so appreciative and as are audiences. Well, you've, you're doing something right. I yeah. mean, at the risk of stating the obvious. I think the fact that this, yeah, I'm going to call it the public service you provide in terms of exposing audiences mm-hmm. and helping new companies get out there yes. and show their work. It's such an expensive venture, you know. It, it, well, and along the way, we've learned that we that it would help if we could help these dance companies create their work, rehearsal space. A big problem in New York City for creators, dance creators, to make work. New York real estate doesn't always lend itself so well yeah. to a dance company having its own space. But if I if I'm the Sandy Dance Company and mm-hmm. I've contracted for a week in July, does that week include my rehearsal time also in addition to my performance schedule? Well, for some companies it does. We have a residency program and we have uh, right now we have one studio in mm-hmm. New York, but at times we've had many studios, and we are working on a project to have additional studios, hopefully in Long Island City. So you're looking to expand? Yes. And what work are you involved with in terms of students who are like you growing up? We have an intern program, Mm -hmm. so we do have interns at the Joyce regularly. Um, But I think the teaching that I do at NYU brings me more in touch with students that would like to have a career I mean, maybe like mine someday. Did you ever think, in looking back, that you would wind up running a theater and and, and inspiring and promoting and doing all the wonderful work you're doing as I sit here and deify you? <laughs> no. No, of course not. No. Oh, I always thought I'd work, I would stay working for dance companies because that's what I knew. How has it changed over the course well, of the nice thing, the nice thing about it is that you do have this um, diversity of companies, so... That's certainly something that I appreciate is it's not one company all the time. Mm -hmm. It's it's different companies. We have our fingers in a lot of different places with helping new companies create work, 
Uh, the field has changed. How so? Not How everybody so? wants to have a dance company, but a lot of choreographers want to try making a work, curating an evening, and mm-hmm. gotten very involved with that. So, th- so yeah. you're receptive to well, having oh, somebody absolutely. come in and absolutely and. Where do the dancers come from? Usually they're taking time off or they have time off if they work for a company that doesn't fully employ them all year. So you're working on the breaks. It seems to me that there are ballet dancers that in their time off, they want to explore their own creative avenues. Is there any ballet that's performed at the Joyce? A lot of it. We just had the ballet boys last week, although they're from London. Their work is more contemporary, but later this year we'll have... The Bourneville Legacy, and they are true ballet dancers. How do you get the word out there? I mean, to go beyond the dance community. How do people know who may not be aware of the Joyce? I come to see people like you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what we did a a few years back. There was the unfortunate situation with New York City Opera. They left the theater that they were sharing with New York City Ballet at Lincoln Center. Center. Yeah. Now called the Coke Theater. Yes. So that opened up a lot of weeks mm-hmm. at that theater. And it's a great theater to see dance, to see large-scale productions. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, maybe the Joy should try to present something there. You know, heavy lift, huge. Just, you know, the expenses are so much more than mm-hmm. they are at the Joyce. But I already knew that from presenting the Bolshoi, right. working for the Joffrey and the uh-huh. larger things. So I thought, yeah, we, we could do this. We just need some fundraising help. So um, in 2012, we presented, it was a program from London, uh, ballerina Sylvie Guillem, and she had a solo program that she was touring. And we were able to book that and present it. And at first, it was just we needed a place to do our annual fundraising. Mm-hmm. That's what it was about. But then when we started digging into the data available to us from those ticket sales, it was a very large percentage, like 68% of the people that went to see those performances at Lincoln Center had never bought a ticket at the Joyce. Whoa. So now you're talking about big numbers. And I was quite surprised because... Of course, I thought everybody knew who. And were you slightly insulted? Um, <laughs> no, I saw it as an opportunity. Uh-huh. I guess there was a little bit of, oh boy, you know, have yeah. I been wrong about this? <laughs> right. Um, so that was a huge opportunity for us to say, okay, well, over here, guys. Yeah, I didn't think everybody was going to rush below, you know, what is it, Fifty Seventh Street, or right, whatever. to come downtown to see right. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, you know. There was. So that was a big turning point, right? Yeah. Yeah. How much of what you do is focused on fundraising? How much of that hand-holding do you personally have to do? I I would say about 60 to 70 percent of my job is fundraising. Does that suck? No. I would like it to be more. I wish I had more time to do more fundraising. Really? Because the Joyce has an amazing story whether it's about our education program or the audiences we serve that, you know, we offer a very affordable ticket price, or the choreographers, young choreographers, uh, particularly female Whose work you get exposed because of you. From the very mm-hmm. beginning, mm-hmm. yes. So all of these things, I mean, I'm not, 
I'm not having meetings with people, uh, potential donors to say, I couldn't pay the electric bill two months ago. I need your money to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm able to tell this success story about the wonderful work we do and the impact that it has on the dance field, on audiences, on school children. And that's a, a compelling story. And so powerful. And yeah. while I understand you have a staff, and I get that, I mean, a lot of this is a, a massive credit to you and your well, ability. Yeah, you know, like when I see an audience jump to their feet because they love the performance. Right, right. And just okay. expose all different forms of dance to yes. to an audience yes. and how wonderful that is. Or especially um, if I see something, well, I'm traveling to Cambodia and then bringing that to New right. York. How often do you go on the road? Um, quite a bit. Quite yeah? A bit. Yeah. So tell me where you see the Joyce going. Well, I, we'd like to do more of this producing, that when a choreographer has an idea of something that they would like to see come to fruition, that they come to us and then we produce it for them. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much more to do along those lines because there's so many ideas out there and we're approached all the time. We're also approached, I'm approached pretty regularly about presenting more of these large-scale companies up at Lincoln Center. Ah, We'd love to do more making a that. marriage yeah. there. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we really need mm -hmm. extra funding for. It's outside of our core mission. So for the uninitiated, how do they hear about the Joyce? Well, a lot of it comes through word of mouth. It comes through you telling your friend. Mm -hmm. or, and that's dance in general. There's still this feeling, especially around contemporary dance. I won't understand that. Uh, so I don't want to feel stupid. Uh -huh. I don't so get it. I'm not going to go. Mm -hmm. I don't, mm -hmm. don't want to. I'd rather spend my money on something that I know I'm going to love it right away. Here's a sexist comment. Okay. What do you see in terms of audience participation when it comes to men? Well, I think there is a, a barrier to some degree, but once they've tried it... They get hooked? Yeah, I think so. I mm -hmm. think so. Whether it's the athletic side of it or right. um, the poetics, whatever it is, I think they get, they get hooked. I get... This is something I think about a lot, particularly when I go to the theater and I look around and I see me in the theater, in right. the audience, uh -huh. and I just think to myself, who's replacing me right. when I don't right. go to the theater anymore? And yes. it's just heartbreaking to me. And I also understand that it's not an, you know, it's not an inexpensive venture to go to the theater. It costs a lot of money to right. mount a play. Mm -hmm. But how do you get you know, the uninitiated in there? Well, again, it's um, you bringing a friend of yours that has never been. Uh, so that's really the best way, and I think that's true for most dance performances. But we also have a few initiatives that we started a few years ago, funded by the Gilman Foundation. It's still too early to tell uh, how successful they'll be. Mm -hmm. One of them is called Pay What You Decide. Huh. And you, for $1, you reserve a, a place in the theater, and you come and you see the show, and then after it's over, you decide... How much more you'd like to give? Yeah, if anything, yeah. That is really yeah. cool. So what we need wow. to track with that, it's been very popular. They sell out. Uh -huh. What we're tracking now is what is happening after that 
first exposure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are they coming back? Mm -hmm. Are they paying a full price? The way it would work best is, you know, they eventually become donors and then board members. For sure. (laughs) For sure. And then there's another quick initiative that I think does exactly what you were saying. It's called Joyce Pass. And if you're involved in the dance world in any way, whether you're a struggling dancer or student or even on the administrative side, you can sign up for something called Joyce Pass and you can buy a $10 ticket to see any of our companies. That's just so cool. Do you have a website? Joyce.org. Well, Linda, wow. (laughs) You must have such a good feeling about your career. Yeah. Well, you're being a little dismissive <laughs> about that, but I mean, you've, d- no, you've done so. Yes, lucky. but I mean, you've also worked so hard, and the match was just perfect. People should get their behinds <laughs> into the seats at the Joyce Theater, 19th Street and 8th, 8th Avenue, yes. and it is the most wonderful, welcoming, intimate theater, and the experience is terrific, thank and you. much more continued success, thank and you. I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Oh, thank you. It was nice to share our story. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.